All right, Joe, welcome to another fun edition of FM Mission, the podcast for people on a mission in arts, entrepreneurship, and activism. I'm sitting with my friend Tanya Side. She is on a mission to help people, definitely in arts, I would say also entrepreneurship and activism, right? So you kind of fit all yes. three. Any place that people can do more good for more people. So I include even education, government, and companies if they needed me to do something that would benefit their employees and their business. So I met Donnie, well, I met Donnie out and about supporting cool stuff and uh, you were at the bridge dinner, for example, mm-hmm. that you know, some of the cool projects you do around town. But you came and took the Impact X class at Ball State University last semester. And so that's where we kind of started getting to know more about what you do. So, mm-hmm. um, I wanted to talk to Tanya because she said uh, something to me last week. We are in here talking that I wouldn't naturally have come to a class like that being about business as much. That just wasn't something you were particularly drawn to with your consulting company. Mm-hmm. But what, so what did draw you to the class, I guess, might be a great place to start. Well, it was a little mysterious when I started seeing information about it, to be honest. It was like, impact X, what does this mean exactly? Does it have to do with social impact, community impact, cultural impact, a whole host of things? And as I delved in a little more deeply, I could see that it was really about people who wanted to make a difference. And I thought, okay, well, if that's the case, then I would like to be a part of that because it coincided really well with me starting my business on July 1st and then the class starting in August and yep. it's like okay this will kind of hold my feet up to the fire I'll be a little bit more accountable for making progress and I'll be a part of a community that would include like-minded people who would also be I hoped encouraging and supportive yeah so that's why you came that's mm-hmm. interesting to hear mm-hmm. so um, we're recording this February 2023 mm-hmm. but you started your business July of 2022 correct yeah. and had it been something you'd been working on for a while Honestly, it's something that I've probably thought about doing for at least 20, maybe more years. Every time I would meet a consultant, a museum consultant, oftentimes, I would wonder how do they work? How do they operate? How can they work as an independent museum professional? And the more I learned from them, the more I realized that you have to have some know-how in your field, be established in your field have a good network and so when I arrived at the point where I thought okay maybe you know decades later that I had that then it became a question of do I really want to just work with museums and after living in Muncie for over 17 years now I thought maybe there's a way also to have the kind of or make the kind of difference I'd like to in museums with nonprofits to be able to impact my community as well. So real quick, why don't you tell people what your business name is and what mm-hmm. you do then? Sure. So uh, my business is Tanya Side Consulting. It's not a terribly original name, but uh, at this point I thought, you know, I'm working off of my reputation, so I wanted to use my name so it was clear that it's me. And when you hire my company, you get me as yeah. well. What we do is we strengthen museums, nonprofits, and education through organizational and program development services with the idea that it's to help these organizations do more good for more people. So I'm very clear about that, including on my website, in my communications with people, to try and get to what are the problems that they need to solve. So in some cases it might be raising more money or uh, streamlining and strengthening their operations so that 
they can get to the stage of hiring their first executive director or uh, just having a greater impact through their mission. You said that doing more good for more people, is that kind of your overall writing mission? I think it's the heart of the mission. And, you know, on the one hand, it sounds maybe a little pat or a little bit, you know, rehearsed or formulaic, but it just helps me to remember why I'm doing what I'm doing and communicates that so that ideally I am uh, recruiting or drawing the kinds of clients I want to work with too. Yeah. Um, when you came to the class, um, Tanya was so um, just gracious to share so much. You really, I felt like you had really kind of your vision down for what you wanted. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the things we talked about in the class that people really like the kind of round table discussions that versus the, you know, um, kind of lecture style class. And mm-hmm. that was surprising to you, right? You said you, you expected more of a lecture style class and, and homework. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into that in a yeah. second. Um, but Tanya was so gracious to share, you know, so much because it's really the first two weeks of the class. It's what problem do you want to address and what mm-hmm. solution? And as you found it, right, that's a lot harder to articulate easily than people think. And mm-hmm. you really can't do the rest of the class without really knowing what that is. Mm-hmm. And you seem to know. So you knew coming into the class that you wanted to work with nonprofits, museum and education institutions. I did. And uh that's my focus, but like I said, I also include government and, and business to some extent. And I arrived at that because one of the great things about being in the museum and nonprofit field for as long as I have is I've met a lot of really great people, including consultants, and I was able to talk to them about my why. And that helped me articulate a little bit more what it was because while I want to work with organizations that do more good for more people, my why is also a recognition of this problem that so many organizations have that uh, the leaders are doing too much and don't have enough time, they don't have enough employees to do all the work that they need, they wear too many hats, it's hard to do anything really well, although many do an excellent job. And that just competes for their attention and their focus and dilutes what they're able to be effective at. And so I thought, you know, if I could start a business where I'm effectively available on a short-term basis for a specific length of time for either a project or on retainer, that, you know, they would be able to knock out some things that they just need to get squared away, like, uh, you know, leading strategic planning and actually making sure that whatever has been recommended through strategic planning actually turns into action plans. You know, that you know, lots of organizations are famous for having lots of high hopes, having a meeting like that that seems to generate all the ideas that they need, but there isn't always the follow-through. And so you know, if I could help them in the follow-through, not on a permanent basis, not on a full-time basis, but as a way to uh, sort of see through reaching the goals that they have, then that will strengthen the organization and strengthen the community. So uh, it isn't necessarily a sophisticated problem, but it's a problem that a lot of organizations have. And so it's rather basic, but it just needs a little bit of attention. Yeah. Did you always want to have a business? Or is that something that you evolved to wanting a business because you saw that as the vehicle to do that? I never thought that I would have a business per se, which you would think if you wanted to be a consultant, you would have thought that you would be in business. But um, funny story, true story, when I first started and I was getting a lot of business advice 
from uh, the Innovation Connector and the uh, small business uh, experts that were there, I <laughs> was coached through those initial steps like a budget and, and cash flow, etc. But even before that, it was, well, now that you're a business, you have to do X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, I'm almost starting to say and practically said it out loud, I'm not a business. And I realized that I had such the nonprofit mindset that I would be mission-driven, not profit-driven, that uh, I could end up doing myself a disservice. So I quickly changed that. I you know, tried to get into the business frame of mind, but still keep that kind of mission focus that I've had through all my years of you know, making sure that resources are more accessible for more people. Yeah. As well as I kind of ask that is we talk about this in the impact class that there are people in there that come to start a business because mm-hmm. they really want to start a business, make money, do good with that business and that money. But that's, you know, they, they know they're creating a business. They're hoping kind of like what we've talked about with Tom shoes, the, mm-hmm. you know, buy one, give one, but you know, that is a business and a business model that they planned yeah. on executing. You know, it seems like it really was a business from the beginning. You, like you just said, really were more mission aligned mm-hmm. and that led you eventually to creating your consulting business. Yes. Is that? That is true. And now that I am working for myself, I can tell you that I very much want to continue having a business and working for myself because the flexibility, the desire to pick and choose clients and not be you know, boxed in by one job full time has been really freeing, very gratifying, and uh, it's a privilege to be able to do that yeah. because um, you know sometimes the work comes fast and furiously, and other times it's you know, a little bit slow. And so you know that's when you build up the business, and then yeah. you, you try and get the next client and move forward. But the point of the FM Mission podcast is to give real-world, simple, you know, experience and tools that people can start with today mm-hmm. if they listen to this and want to say, hey, you know, I, I agree with I, I've kind of had that vision and dream myself, but and, and that's what I wanted you to do this for is, but they don't see themselves as a business person or naturally drawn to business. Mm-hmm. And you said in the end, that's one of the things with the class that you got from it is you naturally wouldn't have necessarily signed up for a mm-hmm. serious business course. But once you got there and were able to use some of the resources and stuff that we were talking about, you really saw the value in it. Completely. And you know, I think, for example, about learning about channels and how uh, that put me on a mission or uh, you know, with a goal or gave me a goal of contacting different organizations where I could do some public speaking that would enable me to meet more potential clients which is a lot more effective than trying to meet you know, 20 people over coffee or lunch. Instead, I could meet at least 20 people in a class or a workshop yeah. and uh, let them see me in action, so to speak, but also do the kind of teaching or uh, training delivery that I enjoy doing as mm-hmm. well. What you just said there is, is part that Stuart taught me directly is mm-hmm. much better if you could find a way to talk to 20 potential clients you know, mm-hmm. in one setting than you know, 21 on one settings, not that there, you know, there's times when both are necessary, but Mm -hmm. that, so that was an idea that you took from the class, the idea of using channel channels and partnerships is one week of the 12 week series. And so that really made an impact on your idea of marketing your business and what you offer to people. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. And so now it's a matter of finding the right kinds of organizations that, uh, fit my values and where the right potential clients might be. 
So, you know, clients, looking for clients is driving me on, on the one hand, but it's also about getting that information into the community so that it's beneficial to a broader group of people at the same time. So that coincided with uh, something else that I've been doing, which is having a volunteer business advisor through SCORE. And so all these ideas that would come up in class, I was able to talk about with other people in the class and then also with my business advisor. And then, you know, that kind of pushed me along a little bit too. So it was like, you know, the group experience where it was, uh, the, the learning was very um, communal and very um, iterative for me, yeah. where you know I was constantly refining you know, what I was wanting to do or what I am doing through my business, and then I would use this score of volunteer as a sounding board Absolutely. for where I was going next, and that seemed to be a nice way of sort of bookending those first few months where I had so much to do to be able to be an official business or just launched as a yeah. business. Um, just on that real quick, you had mentioned SCORE, which is a great resource. Mm-hmm. And if people don't know what SCORE is, you also mentioned the Innovation Connector. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I was just at um, Prime Trust Credit Union with the guys from the Game Changers. They were setting up their bank, business bank account. They just mm-hmm. We got their LLC registered with the state yesterday. And so they're going through this process, which mm-hmm. is scary if you've never done it. It's not near as scary once you've done it. Yeah. But um, one of the two things that they um, offered them, you know, they said, here, you know, here's two organizations we know that are helping, and I love both of those organizations, and it was the Innovation Connector and SCORE. Um, so you've used those, and, and just I if have. anybody's listening, tell us a little bit about what a resource that is for a new business. Sure. Uh, so SCORE, and I wish I could remember what the acronym actually stands for, but we have a chapter in Indiana, in Indianapolis. And so um, the person I'm working with is uh, a former advertising director at WTHR, and he does this to coach people that he wants to succeed in business. And I've never paid a thing, but the thing that I like about it is to... I do know what it is. uh, The thing I like about it is that not only is it a one-on-one mentorship, a kind of conversation... But after every conversation, he takes time to write up everything that we discussed, send me a lot of links, like uh, to a recommended customer uh, resource management tool, for example, uh, even you know, how to do better PowerPoints, which I've done for years, but I can always use pointers to make a better PowerPoint. Uh, just a lot of things that allow me to go back and reflect or pull what I need at the right time later. Um, So that's SCORE. And then the Innovation Connector is, um, as I understand it, something of an incubator for businesses. And so there are a lot of trainings um, that are provided there. They also house the Indiana Small Business Corporation, and that allows folks to uh, be able to get the business advice that I was talking about at the beginning. And then... um, the other thing I'll share is uh, the Muncie-Delaware County Chamber of Commerce. Uh, they just today had a session about uh, government contracting and how you can become a recommended or certified vendor for the city of Indianapolis, the state of Indiana, and the Indiana Department of Transportation. So to be able to learn what the benefits of that are because you know there are some hoops you have to jump through right. uh, I thought that's great because you know if I want to work with the state museums then I would end up being could end up being 
a certified uh, vendor. And yeah. so that's another kind of channel that I'm being much more strategic about uh, because of the vocabulary, the business vocabulary that I really learned through the class. Yeah. And so it also gives me more confidence to be able to talk to the people that I know can advise me or counsel me on how to be a better business too. I'm so glad to hear you got that from the class. It's one of the things I, I loved about the class. I told you when I first took it, a friend of mine that had started working for me, I asked her to take it so we could have these, you know, this vocabulary together that it wouldn't be a foreign language when we talked about business. Yeah. Um, I looked it up while you were saying it because I knew it was of retired executives. It's the okay. Service Corps of Retired Executives. Service Corps of Retired Executives. I will try and remember that because I don't know that I've heard anybody actually call it the complete name. They just call it SCORE. Yeah, and it so is a, a core of retired business executives who volunteer. Like you said, it's free to help anybody trying to launch their business. Yeah. You'll learn the mistakes the easier of the two ways, right? There's the well, hard... yes, and they counsel so many people that they have collective experience through those people. Yeah. Even if they haven't necessarily launched their own business, they've heard about the highs and lows of other people's business experience. And, uh, I mean, that's yeah. worth yeah. its weight in gold, yeah, too. Yeah, an invaluable amount of experience mm-hmm. from those guys. Yeah, I just wanted you to share that it, um your Innovation Connector, SCORE, and then mm-hmm. the Chamber of Commerce you were mentioning. And those are great resources, right, if anybody. Yes. I am such a learner and a teacher, plus I just take time to process things. I need to be able to spend time with information. Yeah. Uh, so I think the combination of your class, Christiana's class, with everything else just put me in the good spot that I'm in right now. It's funny you say that. I read one of um, Ted Baker's posts about being a lifelong learner. I don't Mm -hmm. know if you saw that. It came out recently. And he told me that's a great part of being an entrepreneur is you have to be a lifelong learner. Oh, definitely. Well, you know that because you also helped me figure out how to do my billing online through Square. And just being able to accomplish that, I felt like, was a small miracle. I saw online that you got got that all figured out, right? Yes, yes. And I have billed people. And uh, in case any of them are listening, um, you will also be reminded every week. So now I don't have to remind you. It just happens automatically. It's an amazing little yeah. thing. Like once you put the work in to learn it, you just yeah. don't have to think about it anymore unless you know things are really out of sorts and nobody's paying you forever. You're talking about the Square app in general and what they yes, offer. Yes, and how it relates to Weebly. Exactly. Yeah. So you've used that as your web solution across the board, right? Yes. It's, and we do the same here. I mean, the whole store runs off of Square. And it's not the only one that does that. I, I just, it really is geared towards helping empower small business without a major, major investment mm-hmm. to start with, right? I mean, it's... Oh, yes. It's not very much money at all. I don't remember exactly, but I think it's not more than $15 a month. Yeah. And that includes your website. Yes, right? exactly. Yeah, the so Square it's itself is free. Yes. And they take a credit card processing. Yes. You know, um, when I had Docs musical in downtown Muncie here, I've talked about it in the class only just, you know, the expenses were just crippling. Mm-hmm. And one of the things back in the, before web-based apps like Square, it was $10,000 to have Aloha so you could have a POS that would run a restaurant. And that's just one example. And this whole common market runs off of Square. And if we didn't use the retail side of the app, which is $105 a month for yeah. the, the marketing and the retail together, it would be free. Now, again, they take the credit card processing mm-hmm. free, but even that is very competitive. And I feel like all those are always trying to tell you they're the newest, best rate, but they all seem about the same. Well, and being in the class helped me also hear things like that to know or to confirm that uh, these are cost-effective solutions. 
because uh, not very many people I know are in business. And uh, so it's also growing a community of other people who could say, you know, this is the best web platform. This is the best online payment system. This is how you make sure that uh, invoices get paid in a timely manner without spending too much time on them. You know, those are seemingly minor things, but they can become major things. If they're not done, they're huge things, right? Exactly. Exactly. So, so all that to you was new, right? That was not part yes. of your world. So why don't you tell us a little bit about kind of where your world came from, how you ended up consulting with, you know, museums specifically and nonprofits? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, before I started my work, I was at Ball State University, and so lucky that I was able to retire from Ball State after working for 15 years at the David Owsley Museum of Art and then also doing fundraising at the Ball State University Foundation where I was the director of development, essentially a major gifts officer for the College of Communication, Information, and Media. So that's where I went as an undergraduate, and I studied art history and media. So it was nice to be able to work in both of those worlds and kind of come full circle from when I was a student. But uh, after 30 years of working and being... I thought ready, maybe only ready enough or not quite ready uh, to start consulting, then I was like, okay, this is the time. This is the moment to retire. This is the moment to start my business. So prior to coming back to Muncie, um, after attending Ball State and also living here in middle school, my mother was a professor, I was able to uh, do a lot of work in Washington, D.C. for various museums and museum-related agencies and associations, like the Association of uh, Museum, the American Association of Museums or the Institute of Museum and Library Services, the Corcoran Gallery of Art, the Washington Project for the Arts, the Bead Museum, the Smithsonian Institution, and I'm probably forgetting one or two in there as well, and the Corporation for National and Community Service, which also gave me that great community mindset. They're yeah. the ones that manage AmeriCorps, Vista, etc. Yeah. Uh, I was a research fellow with them for a year, essentially looking into how museums can be more community-minded by using government programs like AmeriCorps, Vista, uh, the what was that one called? Oh, Retired and Senior Volunteer Program. There's a whole host of them that really help to uh, bolster volunteering or volunteerism in a more formal way to be more connected to the community. And so the last 30 years, for me, have been an opportunity to also see, instead of museums thinking about their community, it's really about trying to center themselves within the community or center their community to be much more uh, focused on being responsive to what the community needs. Whereas before, or oftentimes, it was kind of like a menu of services. And so that kind of philosophy that related to museums uh, becoming much more community-centered and thinking of their community before themselves has influenced where I am as a business as well. That's part of the idea of the impact economics business model, right? And inclusive capitalism Mm -hmm. is just kind of a general term for that idea that 
as a corporate citizen, it's not just about profit. In today's world, the world has changed a lot. Mm-hmm. And we see this across every facet of from funding of businesses to marketing of businesses to the way people view a company. Are, are they going to do business with somebody? If they don't align with their values, you talked about this earlier, people aren't going to do business in the future with companies that don't align with their values. This is a, you know, a trend that is here to stay, I believe. Yes, and I... You showed me recently the um, UN Sustainability Goals. What are those called officially? The Sustainable Development Goals, the SDGs. They're Sustainable 17. Development Goals, yes. And I thought that was very powerful to see as well because, you know, thinking through a business's purpose using that kind of lens makes it or helps it have much more social impact. So if I think about my business ultimately having to do with income inequality, uh, through doing more good for more people, then that helps me to have the right kinds of conversations with prospective clients yeah. as well. So I would love it if more businesses actually use those sustainable development goals to think where they can make a difference too. You know, it may not be climate change, it may not be eliminating poverty, but there is probably something in there that yeah. would work for any business. Up and down the supply chain, no doubt, that making sure that your business and the companies you do business with are bringing good to the communities that they, you know, um, call home at the very least. Right? That we talk about it in impact economics. It's, you know, for years it was profit was everything, and it's still very important. Right? That's that's where the finance and the business part of impact comes in because yes. if you're not sustainable, you know, like you were talking, about, the best intentions, you know, don't you know make a, a more equitable world. But if you don't include planet and profit, or planet, people, and profit in there, and you're making that profit at the expense of people and planet, there is a, an inflection point in the future. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, where people are so frustrated with business, with the economic model we have now, is there's a big, big chunk of the population that doesn't feel that it is the system is made for them, right? Mm-hmm. And they're starting to reject it. And historically, this is where, you know, um, societies fall, societies go into civil unrest. You know, and we've seen this already in this country, right? I mean, January 6th was a time when you seen that citizens, you know, in civil unrest starting. Mm-hmm. Um, Stewart points out that there was also a lot of riots um, and stuff that came from the protests the years before. And even though justifiable, no doubt, the anger that, again, we're getting closer and closer to civil unrest when... You know, it's it's in the streets, and, and we know what follows that eventually. And mm-hmm. that's the idea of trying to, before we get there, let's, you know, try to make a, a difference. Yeah, nobody wants to see society break down. That's no way to live. It's no way to be able to advance our own agendas. And if we can care for others at the same time as we're caring for ourselves and trying to push our own needs forward, then that's much more uh it's, it seems like it's a much more smart direction to go than yes. to shoot ourselves in the collective feet, right? Yeah, if nothing else, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if nothing else, I mean, that's the pragmatic perspective. I mean, there's also treating people the way they should be treated. Yeah, but sometimes you know the pragmatic approach is the only one that some people listen to. You know, one of the things that Stuart said in the class, and I shared it really so you know, the Stone Age didn't end because we ran out of stones, right? There was a better way mm-hmm. to do things, and. What he calls the extraction age, which mm. is you know kind of the oil age, where mm-hmm. we extract things from the earth, we extract wealth from communities, 
and everything is extracted and taken back to the centralized yes. Wall Street is that that it's not on the, like you had mentioned the pragmatic approach. Mm-hmm. It's not just simply that businesses are going to do the right thing. If we can show business that there's a more pragmatic, profitable approach, they will just align with that naturally. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's one thing's impact is about showing people that you can you know take into account the three pillars: profit, people, and planet, and still have profit in a great business. And Stewart um, says, and there's data to back it up, that if you look at the most sustainable, profitable companies, bottom line now, they have implemented these practices early. They were early adapters, and society has responded to that, and, mm-hmm. and it shows in their bottom lines. Yes, I'm really fascinated by these customer or companies, rather, that recognize that customers want more of a kind of mindful approach to commerce as well. Yeah. Or companies that give back, companies that are more sustainable, uh, companies that create community at the same time that they're building their or growing their profit. In such an accessible world, people really can vote a lot more with their dollar than before. I think mm-hmm. they can look up companies. You look up the companies they do business with, and we'll get into this here as we go a little bit about some of the things that you do in your consulting is that this is not just business right the business world the education world the nonprofit world the government world mm-hmm. as the world is changing and economics are changing budgets are changing all these things are going to be a factor into who are the companies and the people of the future that that are still here to Absolutely. to make that impact um, just back on business. So, if anybody's listening now, they know a little bit more about where you, you do not come from the business world specific. I mean, at all, really. No, I think the last time I worked for a company was when I was a teenager. Really? It's a hut and pound stretchers, yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so, was it intimidating to start? And that's what I wanted you to talk about today. Is, so, if somebody's listening, they really want to do something. Mm-hmm. Um, for you, it was not easy to think, hey, I want to start a business. That was intimidating. Oh, it was intimidating, which is why I had to talk to every consultant that I knew and ask them what their day-to-day business was like. It was very point blank. Tell me about your lessons learned. Tell me about your worst case scenario. Tell me about something you wish you'd done or been told that nobody told you. And that way I was able to cross some of those reservations or fears off the list. But did I know everything I should have known before I started? No, absolutely not. No, there's there is just a kind of harsh reality to to life that yes. you have to do your best research and put your strategic plan together, but then you have to jump. Right? You do, you do, and unlike a lot of consultants who are far smarter than I am, I did not have a client lined up when I started. I just had my last paycheck and said, "I'm going to get my first client within the next month." Yeah, and I was able to, in the nick of time get a client within a month really but it was hair raising yeah like oh you know there's no steady paycheck this is all on me i've really got to hustle so what 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 do you think was the catalyst that let you just address the fear and say you know what i'm in i Mm. well i'm lucky i have a supportive family that makes a big difference and i don't take that for granted either uh i think that at the end of the day, being able to retire from Ball State and have some health insurance yeah. also assured me that it wouldn't all go south. Yeah. Uh, you know, health care in this country is something that a lot of people work just to be able to have health care. And so this is uh, something I could, I knew was in my back pocket or I would be able to use. Um, 
And then timing, honestly, at Ball State, a new fiscal year starts July 1st. And so I'm like, well, maybe that needs to be my start date. Really? Yeah. Yes. So that experience in the education world, mm-hmm. that you try to align with um, just the launch and knowing that the funding yes. cycles. Knowing funding cycles, but knowing for my own cycle, too, that, you know, as a tax year goes, that was six months of working, six months for myself. Um, it wouldn't be, you know, going from a full salary to a zero salary for that year. Uh, it wasn't like I had a lot of money saved in the bank to right. be able to do this either. Um, but it was something a little bit more of a safety net than if I hadn't planned for it. <laughs> yeah. Are you still glad you did it? Oh, I'm really glad that I did it. Yes. I think you and really love what you're doing. I love what I'm doing. Yes. Yeah, I still keys, put in a right? full day and more, but it feels right yeah. for me. Um, it, we talk about this in the class, that why the, the first week's so important, really finding out what you're passionate about. That way you mm-hmm. can begin to, because without the passion, all those things you've talked about are so intimidating. Yeah. Um, you know, and that, but if you really have a passion for what you're doing, so that's where your ability to kind of dress those, you really love what you do. I mean, you... I do. And it it energizes me. I think that's what's important, too. Uh, not everybody's work is something that energizes them, and I realize I'm very lucky like that. But uh, I'm also very grateful for that and recognize that there's a kind of energy around that that is... Uh, important when I'm talking to people and they know that's genuine, that's authentic, and that it will help them drive their mission or yeah. you know, help their employees or their mission, their purpose, etc. Yeah, absolutely. Now that you're in it, what do you think that you've learned the most in the first six months that would help? Like you said, you went around and asked all these people, you know, what could, what do you think yeah. the best thing somebody could do if they're in that same spot you're in they, and they want to take the jump and they're looking at all of it? And mm-hmm. I think I might have waited to have a client set to go. Yeah. Uh, that would have been good. You know, some people decide to be independent contractors or consultants for their former employees or employers, and that doesn't necessarily make sense for me, but, you know, that's one way to go about it. Or uh, to subcontract with a larger consulting company, something of that nature. And so I might have tried some of those things. Now I'm investigating those to see if uh, there would be a way to... uh, have a client that you know, signs on for a length of time, like a year or two years even, so yeah. that there's some more stability. You and feel that would have been really hard to do without a resume, if you will. I don't know how to say but it seems like that would be a harder thing to get somebody to sign on for longer term. Oh, and absolutely. I, I, that's probably why I didn't do it. I was like, <laughs> I don't have any client testimonials. I don't have any past yeah. clients to talk about what I'm like as a consultant so in many ways I had to do it there are lots of people who do consulting on the side and in addition to a full-time job and I cannot imagine how I would have done that not for the time I had to put in to build the business as well so uh, no regrets but definitely some lessons learned that you know if I were to do it all over again having a client from the get-go would have been great not that that month was you know too long but it still 
was enough time to make me worry and yeah. sleep. Yeah. You had said something in the class. I thought you said that um, some people you talked to said if you can bill for 25% of your time, actually, that's... It was a- oh, to make it just more comfortable in general, yes. Um, so the idea behind that, and you know, the percentages vary. People do it differently. Right. But... Uh, the thing everybody wants to know and understand about consultants is how do they bill? And so going hourly isn't really what a consultant does because it's so dependent upon the client and the project. So, you know, if you want someone who's hourly, then maybe you want a contractor, somebody who's able to work independently, uh, freelance or, you know, without benefits. And, you know, they would need to think about their hourly rate to include, uh, assuring their own benefits. so Things like the health insurance you talk about. Right, right? exactly. Is- uh, so for me, I'm thinking in terms of you know, what's the lowest cost, what's the highest cost of a project, and then billing uh, every two weeks so that there are no surprises for the client. You yeah. know, some folks do it like there's a startup fee or there's a, a mid-stage fee and a completion fee. Or 50% and 100% done, or signing yeah. followed by 50% followed by 100%. I just find that this is much more, especially for a smaller nonprofit, a much better way of managing how much they're spending so that they can plan their budget cycle yeah. as well. Yeah, and so, is that your target audience is small, mid size? Primarily, that's where my focus is, just like the Midwest is my focus with museums and yeah. this area, Delaware County and East Central Indiana is my focus for nonprofits. But if another organization were to ask me to go do something somewhere else, I would be open to that. But from a marketing perspective, as we noted, you know, there are so many expenses, there's so much you could spend money on, you just have to be really mindful of how you're spending that money and where that focus is. I think it's a great uh, point to come back. You talked about the marketing, right? And you mm-hmm. only have so much marketing dollars, and you really, you know, you don't, you yes. don't have a penny to and waste. I learned that from class too. Like, yeah. yeah, you want to serve everybody, but you can't. So where are you going to focus? <laughs> well, that's, I was going to tie in. So um, we just did week three in this semester's mm-hmm. class, and it's target audience. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I was kind of bringing that back to is you really knowing who you wanted to serve allowed you to go out and find that first client because mm-hmm. you weren't going out just talking to everybody. You no. Well, and I recognize that I live in Muncie, Indiana, and uh, where am I the most networked, especially post-pandemic or post-ish pandemic, wherever we are now in the pandemic. uh, You know, it's people who know me here in this community who are running nonprofits or sit on the boards of nonprofits, and I knew that they would probably be my first clients, and that worked out. That's exactly how it went. You told me in the class that one of the reasons was getting down your target audience to an exact, you know profile of the person, you know, and like you said, it's a person sitting on a nonprofit board or for you. Mm-hmm. Um, the decision makers. The decision makers. Is that something you took from the class? I remember you kind of talking about that one point. Well, yes, because uh, even though I'm business to business, you know, reputation is everything right. and relationships are everything. And so in some ways it's also person to person, but it's the organization that would be buying services from me through my business. So uh, is what it really helped, the class really helped me do was to delineate that well in my mind. 
so that when I'm marketing through my website or I'm marketing through my social channels for the consulting company, I'm being very intentional what I share through my personal channels. Yeah. It's not everything. It's only a few things. Uh, and that's to make sure that I'm upholding the reputation I want as yeah. well on those different platforms. Yeah, right. um, one of the things we talk about in the classroom is if you had to get a client tomorrow, right? That, that, that's kind of what you're talking about is you knew you had to get a client, right, to get going because you didn't have unlimited time, right? I mean, yes. you, you needed to make income, right, like all business owners because at some point you're spending all this money. Where's the income going to start? Right. But things you, you talk about here that are the things I talk about that can be kind of in, um, intimidating when you're first starting your business. You mentioned being a business-to-business um, consulting company. And if somebody doesn't know what that means, I can see what, what is the – explain why you, you refer to yourself as a business-to-business consultant. Yeah, um, so – A business where somebody would be buying from me directly might be more related to goods yep. uh, as a service and a, a service-based business uh, an organization is ultimately going to be writing the check uh, because my purpose is to strengthen organizations so I have to be really clear about how I market myself to or through organizations that are like the umbrella organizations for those kinds of businesses or organizations, like a museum association or a nonprofit association or a council of foundations. Yeah. You know, that would make more sense than me trying to go to uh, a public fair and set up a table to meet people individually. They may or not, may not be decision makers at a nonprofit or museum, so I have to take that into account yeah. that it's like the difference between broadcasting and narrowcasting yeah you know if i put an ad on television that's not going to hit everyone but maybe if i you know pick a channel that is very specifically geared to nonprofits and cultural organizations and their decision makers then that might make a difference yeah where a cable network might not make a lot of sense, but PBS, yeah. right? You're Potentially, talking, yes. Yeah, there's an example, right, of really narrowing that focus down because you only have so much marketing dollar. Right, and there's an overlap there with uh, the demographics and psychographics of you know, the people who watch public television, uh, but while they may be interested in museums, they may not be the decision-makers in museums. So there, there might be a way to get even more narrow than that. So maybe I should have used a better example than broadcasting and narrowcasting. But uh, it, it tells you I can't be scattershot in how I market them. But these kind of ideas you're just talking about, those are the things you, from all the different groups that you, you, you reached out to Innovation Connector, you came, you took the class score. And yes. That's how you narrowed that down even oh, further, yes. right, and realized just what you just said there. That yes. I want to even get it one step further than that because you realize that even if people respond to your marketing, if they're not necessarily the decision makers that you need, mm-hmm. right, that's... That's absolutely true. So I've done a little bit of market research on you know how I'm presenting my services on my website. And uh, the group of people that I asked were my friends who work in museums and nonprofits. Well, that was a wonderful way for them to learn about what I do, but they aren't necessarily all the ones who are going to hire me or write the check on behalf of the organization. They have a whole process they have to go through. Uh, And so it wasn't a way for me to do uh, customer, uh, oh, the phrase is escaping me, uh, 
uh, where you're trying to channel people to go through the process to purchase your services. Lead generation. Lead generation. Yeah. Thank you. See, and, and these are terms I mean. that a nonprofit person never, <laughs> right? But I've heard it, yeah. and I'm like, oh, yes, that's exactly what would be great to be able to do. But, you know, I haven't perfected the lead generation cycle either because... Uh, it's hard to get people in the shoot in the first place, the yeah. right people in the shoot. Yeah. What an interesting thought. Those are the, that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on to have you shoot because I, I think a lot of people who do want to get into business, especially to do good, the things like the lead generation, business, business, cash flow, business mm-hmm. model, these are terms that, you know, if you're, if you're not familiar with them, they can just seem so overwhelming and they're really not complicated processes right there if you remember what they are yeah (laughs) i don't remember what lead generation is but i know i should do more of it what what do you think would uh make lead generation more effective for you and what what does lead generation mean to you as a consultant folks on museums and Mm nonprofits? what does that mean just so anybody listening could know that lead generation for me would be do you need to go okay um lead generation for me would be being able to meet the right group of decision makers from museums, nonprofits, and education that would be able to uh, select the services and pay for the services that I offer through my company. So, uh, you know, if I think of, for example, a museum conference, it's likely that not all of those people will necessarily be decision makers either. So maybe it's the executive directors or it's the uh, board presidents in tandem with their executive directors yeah. as well. Yeah, I, I'm learning a lot just listening to you about you know how I would approach that. You know, mm-hmm. um, I impact. completely solved the puzzle. <laughs> so one of the things we talk about in there, and this is one of the again, it can kind of be intimidating. If you remember, we talked about outcome, mm-hmm. and I think you're in Grow with Brittany, right? Yes. Yeah, which is I, I love what you guys are doing. But I remember it was um, her husband who asked in the class, is outcome the same as mission statement? Mm. We say, no, mission statement is, you know, is the overall goal you want to accomplish. The outcome will be the result Correct. and the effect. So if going back to the outcome, it, if you do connect with a museum you know, or nonprofit and you start this process of going down the, the, the funnel of becoming a client, mm-hmm. what is the outcome that you you know, have to offer them. If you come with me and my consulting service, yeah. if we do this correctly, the outcome will be that you get... A stronger organization with better systems to be more strategic yeah. about your mission so that you can accomplish it with fewer resources. Yeah. And so, so if I'm the director, and you said you also do business consulting, you're here at the Common Market even, right? If, mm-hmm. If I, if I was to meet with you, that's what my expectation would be, that I would come away with a stronger organization that can make more of an impact with the limited resources that I have. That's yes. an outcome. But yes. your mission is to... Help more museums, nonprofits, and education do more good for more people. Yeah, and that, that really is the difference of outcome and mission. Yes, and so you know, if I were to evaluate this at the end of a year, let's say, I would be really interested in what my clients have to say about the work that we did together and whether it actually accomplished what they wanted it to. Like, Did it actually lead to 
you know, more private donations or a better strategic plan or a clearer sense of the annual plan for your board or uh, a more equitable organization that is able to serve its customers or its clients in a way that uh, you're recognized for being more inclusive, for instance. Yeah. Like, all of that would make a huge difference. And then on top of it, I would also want to see, for me, a balance of museums and nonprofits along with the other kinds of organizations as yeah. well. One that, I mean, it really has, if you're listening and, again, you have a mission-driven goal or a dream, a vision that you've always wanted to do, but you never saw yourself as a business person or wanting anything to do with that, and that's okay. If you just, if you think money and capitalism is icky, even, right, that's, I, we talked about in, in the class at the Goose Jockeys where a group of us mm-hmm. that took the class at the College of Charleston, and even though they did believe all that, they recognized the reality that I'm still going to have to learn those things if I want to get in there and try to make a more equitable society. Yes. And so thank you for sharing your experiences. Is there anything else that you think that you really wish you had known or if somebody's trying to do it, that words of encouragement, words of advice? That Oh, that's a great question. And there are probably other things, but I just want to pick up on what you most recently said that like all things, business is not icky. It's always how you do it. And yeah. so if you know your why and you understand uh, your why for business and your why for being a member of the community, you can come to a really special, smart place yeah. for being the kind of business you want to be. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of the things that in the end of the classes we're trying to is help people build a business model that takes all that into account. Right? There are a lot of companies doing a lot of great work right now. I always mention Tom's Shoes is just one everybody knows, and they're, they're you know fairly famous for their buy one give one business model. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't that that was you know perfect either. They realized in doing their mission that there were um, shoemakers in these countries that they were trying to service with the free shoes yeah. that were now being put out of business. And so they pivoted, which is one of the things we talk about in the class, yes. to providing the raw materials to shoemakers in those areas versus taking them out of business. Mm. But they are able to do that, just what you said, they really know their why, mm-hmm. right? They know their mission, and that, that's in the DNA, the fabric of the founding of their company. Absolutely. They're not just doing this and going, oh, you know, in, in the trends of business last year, we saw that businesses should be more inclusive, so we need to put that in our marketing plan, right? Yeah, so fine-tune, fine-tune, fine-tune. You're always yeah. going to have to recognize that things weren't or aren't going to be the way that you plan for them. But you can adjust, you can pivot, you can fine-tune and make it better. Pivots it's the li- constant learning, isn't it? You know, the, the being yeah. the lifelong learner that we were talking about. Yeah, it really is. It's one of the reasons I wanted you to share your story. The other day when Tanya and I were talking right before she left, she said, you know, I wouldn't necessarily have been drawn to a business class. And when I was Even talk- if I needed it. Well, yeah, <laughs> because it, especially if that... Often we need the thing that we don't want to do the most, right? Mm-hmm. Is you know, in business, nobody really wants to be the person to do all the paperwork and you know do all the the banking, the taxes, the regulation. But if you let that go, you're really, really letting your organization go in one right. And so, what you need and what you want aren't always the same thing. Is that one thing you've learned in doing this? Oh gosh, yes. You have to spend time on the business of the business. You can't just do all the things that fun or enjoyable so if you looked at my home office you would say that's really messy how do you get work done in here but you know when you look straight at that computer everything's neat and tidy there (laughs) so there's always time to spend on uh, you know those things but uh, 
clients come first, and then you fill in all the rest of the time with the business of the business. And ultimately, like with your mission and the outcome, if you help your clients achieve their goals, mm-hmm. you'll have more clients than you right, can handle. This is what I hope, yes. <laughs> so thank you so much for inviting me and uh, allowing me to talk about my business. And I want to say a special thank you for launching Impact X in Muncie so that we can find our sister business owners and nonprofit leaders who really want to have the change and make the change that Muncie deserves. Yeah, it does deserve. Well, thank you for showing up and being so gracious to share because you were so kind of far along. If people want to find you online, mm-hmm. it's tanyasayadconsulting.com. That's right. Spelled T-A-N-I-A, S as in Sam, A-I-D as in David, consulting.com. It looks like Tanya said consulting.com, but it is not, right? It is not. However, that's how you can spell it, and that's not bad for a consultant. Yeah. You know, Tanya has said a lot of things, so <laughs> why not? <laughs> um, one other thing with, uh, could you maybe share, if you could, anything that you've done that, is, that people you've consulted with and a way that you've used kind of all of that to help a business, a nonprofit, an organization achieve the goal that they were going for and just to kind of tell people a little bit more about what you actually do on like mm. a hand-to-hand base before we call it a, a day sure. here. Well, I think of what I offer in two camps, organizational development and program development. And so the organizational development services are really uh, sort of bird's eye or systems that help museums and nonprofits just do their work better in terms of workflow, strategy, etc. So it could be a whole host of things like strategic planning, it could be interim executive leadership or even executive coaching, uh, workplace culture assessments, diversity, equity, inclusion, and access. something that would help with fundraising or public relations and then on the program side that's a lot of where the kind of museum uh, specific activities or skills or knowledge that I have have really um, developed and present themselves and that would include things like uh, interpretation for exhibitions uh, gallery teaching Uh, I also am certified to teach English to speakers of other languages so I put a lot of my teaching kinds of uh, things there, like training tour guides on how to lead better tours. Uh, Those are just some of the things that I do. So that's the actual services you offer as a company. Those are the services, and it's a mixed bag. And right now I'm trying to see what is really most needed, what is most popular. And so far it's really been around grant writing, strategic planning, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and executive coaching. As you kind of listen, I've on your website read your list of services. Like with a class in that, you, you're further refining that down and, and really now trying to kind of get it down to this is the core of what I offer that yes. my clients respond to. Is that? That is what I'm looking at. And I was recently in conversation with another consultant, and she asked me to write all the things that I can do. And it was over 30 items. And then she said, like, cross off all the things you don't really like to do and start the things that you'd love to do. And when I read off the things that I love to do, she said, you know, essentially what it sounds like is you have the heart of a teacher. And so you really like to uh, teach people, guide people, lead, facilitate, you know, those kinds of things. And it's true. I mean, I can help you write bylaws or committee descriptions, but it's the bringing people together to help transform the organization and 
the way that they understand, the people understand their role in the organization. That is the part where I really see myself as, you know, the glue to kind of work, yeah. connect the dots. Ultimately, if you could do that with different clients all the time, that's what you would love to do. I'd be living the dream. Yeah. Yes. Truly. Well, you are living the dream, right? You're, you're uh-huh. six, seven months in. Mm-hmm. Do you... Um, Anything coming up for this year anybody needs to know about if they want to get a hold of any projects you have going, cool things that sure. you can share that clients of yours are doing that would help them? I will share a couple of things on behalf of clients and for myself. Uh, I know that uh, for Muncie Outreach, there is a Valentine's dance coming up. Yep. That's going to be wonderful. Uh, the Recovery Cafe of Muncie is doing a... Uh, fundraising brunch in April, so be on the lookout for that. And then I would say uh, for the Schaefer Leadership Academy next week on February 9th, I'm going to be doing a talk on linguistic diversity. February 21st, I'll be doing a session for the Nonprofit Support Network on uh, board members' uh, needs, specifically along the lines of a huddle, so it's like a learning coaching kind of group. And then um, in April, I'll be talking to women in business about the power of volunteering and how to be a great volunteer. Yeah. So, yeah, you got a busy, busy spring coming up. It could be even more busy, and I wouldn't mind. Yeah. But that's a great start. And so, yes, I'm happy to be doing all of those gigs and uh, looking forward to meeting more people in the process. Again, if, it, if this sounds like something your organization could use, Tanya, T-A-N-I-A-S-A-I-D, consulting.com. And, um, again, if you're out there listening and wondering, you know, what can I do to get started, any one last piece of advice you give for somebody, if they, what do they do tomorrow if they want to start down this path and say, you know what, I'm ready to get involved. Tanya's inspired me. Well, if you're a business or you're a nonprofit, always happy to talk. And if you visit my site, I encourage people to contact me to have a conversation. I don't charge for that. I just am happy to meet somebody and help you on your way at the same time. Yeah. Anything else you'd like to share before we go? I, I appreciate you so much taking the time. If you've heard a little background noise, we're sitting at the Common Market here at 8th and Hoyt and Muncie, and we have customers coming in, you know, using the store, and it is not the quietest intersection in town. I've been told by several <laughs> people that hang out here. But it's a real place, and it's a happening place, so people should definitely come by. Yes. Anything you want to share to to end? That is it. So thank you all for listening, and uh, thank you for being interested in what Mike does and what I do, too. Thanks for taking the time to share. It's what you did in the class, and I thought you'd be great for the podcast, that there'd be people who'd really get a lot of takeaways from your conversation today. So thank you you very much. Thank you for listening. You can find us at fmmission.com. FM Mission is for people on a mission in arts, entrepreneurship, and activism.